Welcome back to Disturbing Interest, everyone. I am Regina King, your evil queen, and sitting in her own damn house is my ever-beautiful partner. Hello, this is Lynn, your docent of distancing. Yeah, you are. Yeah, we both are right now. We I- are. How are you doing? It is, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm sweaty, which is probably more information than anyone wanted to know. But it is, again, in keeping with the fact that 2020 is fucking weird, it's 80 degrees in early May in Seattle while simultaneously snowing in Ohio. But because, uh, yeah, because that's where we're at right now. There's a glitch in the matrix. There's there gotta be. really is. It's going to drop down to the 50s tonight, too. Like, I just, I don't understand what's going on in 2020. God hates my sinuses because yes. basically this is just a day that is just made for headaches if you have weird sinuses. Yeah. So yep. it's also up. a day made for caftans, which I am wearing one. I ordered myself a caftan. A vintage J. Peterman Company caftan that I am now just wearing all the time when it's warm. I am just, so happy you are living in that caftan. It's, it's amazing. God, I love this. I'm going to put, put a picture of me in the magic caftan on our social media so that you can point and go, ha ha, at my sartorial splendor. I love my Do life it. right now in Do this it. caftan. Do it. I got a new entire like leotard onesie sparkly bodysuit because this is who I am apparently hey, quarantine. We we all have our corn outfits. Well you're a bodysuit person. I'm a caftan person. It it came in the mail yesterday of uh, my new one and I was like, yes, thank you. And it's too warm to wear it today. And I'm just like, you know what? Damn it's 2020. Gonna, right? I'm just gonna go play with my devil sticks and y'all can can enjoy your caftans because apparently my onesie is just not happening today i'm also going to try not to kill myself using our new hammock that was our big investment for the uh, pandemic since ain't nobody going nowhere but their porch for the foreseeable future and so i bought a hammock and um, more hammocks pop up in the neighborhood i have to say yeah you know it's great i'm a little concerned so we take the actual hammock piece off the stand when we're not using it partially to just keep it nice and also to keep squirrels from i don't know nesting in it but also because our cat, Mr. Jones, is a dumb shit who really wants to get up in there. And I think you can understand just yep. extrapolating how physics works that this will end up with my cat dead in a in like a cloth burrito. So either so no. that or you yeah. would come in and Mr. Jones will have taken up the new profession of Cirque du Soleil performance because he is a handsome fellow and everyone would pay money to see that cat doing high wire tricks. In oh, your God. Or he'll just like, he'll like trebuchet himself. Yeah, it would be (laughs) like, no, it's not going to go well. (laughs) We'd hear, and I'd be like, Jonesy, how'd you get here? Yeah. (laughs) So so yeah, we're going to try to avoid any unnecessary uh, ER, veterinary or human trips during this fun time pandemic. Good, good plan. Good plan. So it sounds like you've got a big story for us. So should we jump in? Yes, we should. Let me first open my delicious can. So I've been trying to stick, as I think everybody who's not a member of the Flu Klux Klan has been doing by staying the hell home as much as they can. I did have to go into a uh, Bartels, which if you're not from the Pacific Northwest is a like a Walgreens, a Dwayne Reed, a CVS. CVS. Yeah. 
And I had to go in there to get, you know, actual medical stuff. It's actually kind of like thrifties in okay. California. Yeah. See, there you go. They um, even have the ice cream there. Yeah. So it's, Bartels is, um, you know, you're basically a big pharmacy kind of thing. And as I'm in line, socially distanced, six feet from the person in front of me, they have a whole rack of the kind of canned wine I used to hunt down for y'all before I had to go underground like we all have had to, like the mole people. And so I scooped up several cans of classic, horrible canned wine. So I'm very excited to be sharing with you today Day Drinking by Little Big Town. <laughs> the band? I guess. Oh. I apparently, I don't know. I used uh, to but have the, a signed poster from them as a child. Well, apparently they got wine now. Um, yeah, I met them as a child. <laughs> but you weren't drinking wine, I hope. I with was them. not, no. A child. Well, <laughs> little, little Big Town now makes wine, and this fla- flavor, I'm going to go with flavor, is Southern Peach Wine Spritzer. So, yeah, I'm going to open this one up. Here we go. Oh, that's a satisfying mm-hmm. noise. All right, here we go. Lachaim, everyone. Oh, oh my God. Ugh. Ah. Ha. I mean, okay, at first. Does it taste like a country band in Poor Decisions? It kind of does. Like, it It tastes like a It tastes like a headache is, is on its way. It, it's so sort it's of. living up to the, the owner's. So let me say this. It starts out with a little bit of that Jolly Rancher peach where you're like, that is not found in nature. But to its credit, on the, I'm going to call it the come down on this one, where you get the fizz, it actually gets that kind of bitter peachy flavor that you get when you bite into the skin, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and you get the prickles in your face. So I don't know if that's better, but it's it's an interesting combo of starts fake, ends real. I don't know. But it's it's fairly light. It smells nice. I get it does. It actually smells very, very peachy and and, and kind of appealing. So maybe you as like a cologne, just, an eau de cologne, be. if you run out, <laughs> you could douse yourself in that. Run yeah. around. You're good. I know it's you grown on me. Out of having a bathroom at all, no tub, no shower. Just have that wine. I mean, we're fine. we're getting there slowly. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, we have a bathtub now, guys. Uh, the bathtub funny. was actually able to be delivered. It's just in our house. Like, it's not, it's in what used to be Will's office, which is now just kind of um, storage and crap because we were in the middle of this process. And it's just kind of hanging out in there. Just like I had a friend suggest we turn it into the Cialis commercial. You know, <laughs> <laughs> those two people are sitting in the outdoor uh, bathtubs. So it's kind of <laughs> like that. So now we have a we have a bathtub. It's in no way connected to anything or in our actual old bathroom, but you know, closer poco a poco, a little by little, you know, we'll get there. You should put it in your backyard and start having photo shoots, just like a daily photo of you guys doing something bizarre in just the bathtub. Me uh, and my in my your sad bathtub, <laughs> in my caftan, in my sad unhooked up bathtub. God bless. God bless. So yeah, I, I love COVID country. This is the best possible timeline. It's it's something. It it's is something. some goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to dive into it. Let's uh, do it. I am bringing us the story of, of a giant bag of dicks. That's what I'm bringing us. Okay. I'm just going to start it with a quote. I will begin with this confession. 
whatever I have done in the course of my life, whether it be good or evil, has been done freely. I am a free agent. Giacomo Casanova. For generations now, if someone were to look at you and say, my, my, Lynn, you're looking quite the Casanova, aren't you? It would mean that you're a voracious lover, suave, maybe even sophisticated and dashing in the pursuit of the carnal arts. Swave and deboner? <laughs> That's me. Clearly, clearly this is your nickname from Will. Old Casanova Roscamp. Not Casanova Frankenstein, where we can have a nice, refreshing Harvey Wallbanger. Oh, However, it isn't very common for someone's name to be used as an adjective, right? Freudian slips, which is a term easily identified with Sigmund Freud, is one of the most well-known. But like to mesmerize someone is a term brought out from the uh, renowned hypnotist Franz Mesmer. The word gerrymander was derived from the racist redistricting signed into law by Elder. Bridge Jerry, a former Massachusetts governor, hashtag racist. Well, I thought his name was like Jerry Mander. That would have been cooler, but that would have been way cooler. No, no, he was just a man named Jerry. Uh, But one of my favorites uh, is actually an editing term called Baudlerize, which means to censor something. And it comes from Henrietta Baudler who was responsible for publishing 20 works of Shakespeare that had been edited of anything that might be deemed unsuitable for those proper ladies. I so love- like all of Titus Andronicus just went. Yes. They were just like started it, ended it. Boom. That was it. Some of it. Act you one, the end. Exactly. Some of it you couldn't understand, really. It was so censored. And I love the idea that somebody was so uptight that their name has become synonymous with censorship. I'm kind of sad that her last name wasn't Pinch Ass. (laughs) There you go, you know? Yes, yes. Uh, To Pinch Ass something, of course. But it's clear that becoming an adjective isn't an easy thing in any regard, whether you're the person on the other end or who is synonymous with this thing or just making it happen. Any doubt of that can easily be dissuaded by any Karen living from 2019 on. I mean, I guess people always think it would be cool to be so good at something or so known for something that they they become an adjective. But it it also kind of sounds like, I guess, as you say, for the Karens, kind of not a mark of um, distinction. Exactly. All the time. And not only that, but it's kind of like you a parody of yourself has become a, a synonymous with this thing and you are then synonymous with this parody which i am about to tell you with casanova so you're gonna tell us the myth but then tell us about the actual man excellent well most of us know the myth so i'm yes. gonna tell us about the man and i did want to look deeper closer into this man known for his lust so voracious that his name would be sealed in association with paramours for eternity and i hate to tell you this but it turns out like many historical figures casanova was a pretty shitty person now you might think that i'm going soft on you here dear listener 
and I'm thawing the darker side of terrible that we all know I bring to the cast. But oh ho ho, friends, don't worry. I got you. On the rare occasion I do do a sweet story, I give you forewarning, and I'm not giving you forewarning. This story ain't sweet. This isn't a love story. Giacomo Casanova is not a hero. But he was born in Venice, Italy on April 2nd, 1725, to actress Zanetta Ferrucci and actor Giotano Casanova. Later in his life, Casanova would try to claim that his father was really the owner of the theater in Venice that his parents met and worked at, and that man would play a very large part in his life, being a mentor and a sponsor to him, but there was never any proof, and the thought is that it actually gave him kind of a higher status to claim to be the illegitimate son of a predominant theater owner when theater was so highly looked upon in the city of Venice, rather than the legitimate son of two actors. Because at that time in the 1700s, it was during that interesting point in human history where actors were both revered and reviled at the same time. They were beautiful, talented, adored by the masses, and yet they were frequently transient, drunken, and often scandalously sexual in nature. So, so like Instagram influencers of the time? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Combine that with being raised in a city known as the pleasure capital of Europe at the time, and the natural gifts of good looks, charms, and intelligence, it's easy to see how Casanova became popular. However, so like a high charisma role when they were making his character. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Set in the perfect location. By the way, pleasure capital of Europe. What a fucking title. Right. I mean, courtesans, uh, the the masquerades. It, It must have been a hell of a thing to see in its time. It was through his sheer determination and the constant pursuit of carnal delights, though, that really pushed him to infamy. (laughs) Today, we would call that hashtag turbo slut. Casanova spent his early childhood with his grandmother since his mother continued her acting career touring Europe after his father died when he was eight. His grandmother did the best that she could for the sickly young Casanova and his siblings. And after spending a few, the first few years of his life suffering from severe nosebleeds, she did what any caring grandmother would do in the 1700s. She took him to see a witch on the island of Murano. Oh, shit, I get like nosebleeds. Should I see a witch? I mean, you hang out with me. Okay. Do you have a thing for nosebleeds? I. You know, if we were going to result to the 1700s, it would either be leeches or witches. The only thing I can tell you is more like a frog iron. up my nose. Would that work? There you go. Let's okay. take a frog, dip it in leeches, and shove it up your nose. I mean, it'd have to be a pretty small frog because I do have a fairly small nose, but I'll go look for one. <laughs> Man, not Casanova. He had a big old schnoz, too. Nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> the pictures of him. I was like, why was this guy such a ladies man? Was he? I mean, it's like he. Well, was I mean, maybe it was the like big hands, wink, wink, big nose, wink, wink. I don't know. <laughs> I maybe. 
Uh, but the things he could do with that nose. Right? I'm just saying. I'm just, I, yeah, we'll just we'll leave that up to the prurient imaginations of our listeners. So back to the witches and leeches. Okay, witches anyway, and leeches. Yes. Witches and leeches. So we've all heard of being touched by an angel. Well, this was more of a case of being touched by a witch. Casanova became fascinated by the incantations, black magic, or excuse me, not black magic. <laughs> Although that does come up later. Black cats and witchcraft because of this incident. Witchcraft, was- wicked witchcraft. Sorry, I had to do it. You did. You did. did. It was called for. He later claimed, though, that this uh, that the ungent the witch had given him hadn't worked to cure his ailments, but it was the first time a woman's hands would profoundly affect his life. Casanova also claimed that the witch had told him he would soon meet a beautiful stranger. And this might be because Casanova was a notorious liar. We don't know if this is true, but for his narrative for his storyline it definitely serves a romanticized purpose so you're saying this is a grain of salt kind of story oh this is a bucket of salt kind of story go out there and just get a tub of morton's and that's what we're into okay cool cool. roll in it roll in it is this a bath salts kind of taken with a grain of bath salts kind of crazy because we could do that too Let's get really crazy, not face eating crazy, but okay. pretty crazy. So he told the or the witch told him he would soon meet a beautiful stranger. And that night, according to Casanova, his tiny eight year old self shook in his bed out of fear after he, after he heard rapping on the walls. Soon, however, a beautiful woman appeared from the chimney from the chimney. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bucket of Was salt. Was it Santa? In drag? <laughs> I mean, Santa is pretty beautiful and all, but sure. I'm, but I'm not going to rule it out. If you like polar bears, he's very attractive. Yeah, no, it's fine. And she moved towards him, mumbling in a language that he couldn't understand. And then she leaned down and kissed him softly on both cheeks, not like his grandmother would kiss him. And he then told us that that kiss changed him for forever i don't okay. know Bucket of so salt. so <laughs> no no i'm with you here so sexy santa appears down the chimney we don't know how she gets out sexy mumbling uh, in strange tones santa appears from the chimney and kisses him on both cheeks okay no that seems super legitimate yeah let's with do soft this. lips with soft, soft lips. lips santa's mm-hmm. lips are very soft i true. mean Milk Sexy Santa does make the skin very moist and supple, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I'm with you. Okay. okay. So on his ninth birthday, Casanova was sent to a boarding school in Padua. Resources are mixed on if this was due to his nosebleeds being diagnosed as a side effect of Venice's air by an actual doctor of the time, or if it was because his family wanted to be rid of him. However, his memoir made it apparent that whatever the reason, he felt as though he had been abandoned. He said, and so they got rid of me, which is sad, but okay. I mean, it could have been worse. He was sent to school. It's not like he was sent out to a workhouse or something. Unfortunately for the young Casanova, though, the boarding school life 
was absolutely horrific. It, it was rather deplorable. But so had, more like Lord of the Flies than Hogwarts. Yeah, okay. yeah. We're we're not seeing like flying owls and you know potions class. Instead, it was more like boys stacked upon each other and uh, teaching each other to fight, drink, and gamble. Because oh, like more like reform school. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were getting an education though. It was just these boys were kind of up to no good at the same time however he was lucky lucky because his teacher abbe gozi had taken a shine to both him and his younger brother and upon appeal they were granted to live with the teacher and his family now abbe gozi still lived at home with his parents and his siblings and casanova himself would later claim without any offer of evidence that this teacher was in his own words a suppressed sodomite oh big old homo okay yeah we we don't know why he says this we don't know if maybe he had some kind of relationship or witnessed something we don't know there's uh, there is no proof this man could have just been you know interested in musical theater yeah plenty of straight men enjoy musical theater sure (laughs) hugh jackman there you go well, I mean, you have to understand, Casanova himself was clearly bisexual. He had relationships with men and women. Woo-hoo! So, yes, I, I don't. Mean, think... Why not both? Yes, you I... are so right, Taco Girl. Why not both? I don't think that he was casting an opinionated thought there. I just think that he was giving his opinion of what had he was happened. spilling the tea. Maybe. Maybe. Now, because you can never believe freaking Casanova. You really can't. You don't know what's real. You don't know what's fake. Our our useless intern just walked up and laid his nose against my leg. And and it felt like love. Aww. <laughs> He's like, I love you, mommy. I too want to be in on this. Dog, Get that dog some headphones. Dog noses feel like love. That's what that is. Anyway, okay, so back to uh, not being distracted by my pets. Now, at this point, dear listeners, I would like to interject a trigger warning. (laughs) What is normal, acceptable, and legal in the 1700s Italy is considered rape and molestation today. So consider yourself warned. The teacher's young sister, Bettina Gazi, would be the first person to introduce young Casanova to anything sexual when she followed him at the ripe old age of 11. Yeah. This is a fact that makes me dry heave a lot in the back of my throat. But when you remember that Romeo and Juliet were 14 and married, it's still gross. It's still gross. Still gross. Times are different. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Still gross. In no way are we like, let's do this. Kids are cool in that way. No, no, not, no. Not that's not our no, no our no. our chant is consent and do do what you want as long as you're not hurting anyone. Consent, consent, yay! Consent. And if you're a kid, thing. you can't consent. Casanova was quick to specify that he actually lost his virginity to a pair of sisters, Nanette and Marton Savernon, when he, they were fourteen and sixteen years of 
age at the time and he was 18 years old and he lost it to both of the sisters at the same time and they too were still virgins again let me say so what you're saying is virgin threesome god this sounds like Pornhub, you guys yeah with two sisters at the same time here penthouse i never thought i'd be writing this le- a letter to you but ugh. yeah okay cool yeah. cool yeah uh, get prepared be prepared to gag more That's nice all I'm saying. nice okay yeah. i'm gonna go well with the southern peach wine spritzer i can tell already <laughs> casanova remained lifelong friends with the gazi family but he always kept a special place in his heart for Bettina, saying that she was pretty, lighthearted, and a great reader of romances. The girl pleased me at once, though I had no idea why. And she, who was, who little by little kindled in my heart the first sparks of a feeling which later would become my ruling passion. So he really attributed his awakening to Bettina and he always held her in very high regards and later she married and had her own life but they did stay in contact he always stayed very close with the family Casanova was known to be intelligent and in 1742 at the age of 17 he graduated from the University of Padua with a degree in law okay yeah at 17 so far it seems pretty legit okay sure okay it's like boogie hauser but for law i literally have that joke nice yes thank you so much that is awesome (laughs) anyway law was a subject that it seems he was pushed towards by his guardian um abby gose but he himself is on record expressing his extreme aversion to the subject. I just can't imagine some kid still going through puberty, rolling up in the courthouse. It's like the public defender from hell right there. Now, I'm, like, I, I imagine him in like a wig. I mean, okay, this is the 1700s, so like everybody kind of did have a wig anyway, but like, mm-hmm. like a lawyer wig, like a barrister wig and the whole nine, but like with like a pimply face, like, like the, the squeaky voice teen from The Simpsons. Oh, hey, Your Honor. We plead not guilty. Like, that's what I totally picture. Yes. Yes. Casanova was far more interested in medicine, however, and said himself, I should have been allowed to do as I wished and become a physician. In which profession, quackery is even more effective than in the legal practice. Ooh, okay. He's got some opinions. Yeah, I read that quote and immediately wondered if Casanova wanted to be a quack. And then I went on to find out that he would frequently prescribe treatment to his friends and take treatments himself that he prescribed. So the answer is yes. Yes, Casanova was was a quack. He was full on plandemic. Gotcha. Gotcha. If it looks like a quack and prescribes like a a quack, it must be Casanova. He he just sticking frogs up everybody's nose. Hemorrhoids, (laughs) frog up the butt. Uh, bloody nose, frog up the nose. There you yeah. go. PMS, frogs somewhere else. Sure. Yeah. No, I'm with you here. Okay. A frog for every orifice that ails you. Sure. A frog for every orifice and an orifice for every frog. That's Casanova's motto. Nice. <laughs> Love this episode. The amazing thing, though, 
was Casanova himself, that wasn't that abnormal. He actually had taken some medical classes while he was going to law school. And at the time, Venice's medical system was deplorable. It was horrible. So he was probably doing no more harm than an actual doctor. But still, yes, a frog for every orifice and an orifice for every frog. That's that's what we're talking here. Basically, the fine line between quackery and actual medicine as practiced at that time was like no line at all. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. However, it seems that Casanova was interested in medicine because of his grandmother, Matsya. She was a healer. And so he grew up with her influence. And apparently it was something that that stuck with him. But alas, he did not become a physician, really. It was while Casanova was at university the, that he began the lifelong habit that was Lord Lucan's favorite hobby. Can... Gambling? Yes! Woo-hoo! Call back to our Lord Banana Pants episode. Well, it, that and, and I feel like this is a callback to our um, James Lister episode because, wow, medicine sucked back in the day, too. So, yes. Yes, we we have a few callbacks in here. Yeah, this is this is aligning nicely with our interests. Yeah, yeah, nicely done. It's weird how he aligns right along with things. Anyway, but what better hobby is there for a broke student than gambling, right? Oh, sure. And he was very much in the same situation as Lord Lucan was with. Being broke, running with high society in a fancy school where debts to a rich man are an annoyance, but large gambling debts to a poor man are crippling. Well, his grandmother, though, was a wise woman, and she has, I mean, come on, she already clearly proved that with the trip to the witch. But she was having none of that ballyhoo, and she told him to return to the pleasure capital of Europe, Venice. So out of the gambling den into the fire? Well, what happens in Venice stays in Venice. And so young Casanova returned to Venice and entered into clerical law. That's right, folks. Giacomo Casanova worked for the church. And soon Casanova was instructed to find a patriarch that would be able to care for his needs, including shipping him back and forth from Venice to Padua to continue his university studies, give him a place to reside, and keep him in the finery and foods that he had quickly become grown accustomed to. Finding a wealthy patriarch was a lesson that Casanova made a lifelong practice, by the way. My takeaway is, as long as the monkey dances, bananas will be given. So Casanova's... Yes, yes. I I figured you'd like that one, considering. I also like that we're foreshadowing monkeys, because monkeys Mm -hmm. come later in this episode. So Casanova's first patriarch was Alavis Gasparo Malperino. The 76-year-old senator taught Casanova many things, mainly of high society and how to conduct himself within it. So he taught him how to move amongst the upper crust. However, their relationship was not long-lived because Casanova was caught dallying with the actress Teresa Imar, the object of the senator's desires in the senator's own home, which they were 
both being housed at. Wow, you don't hump where you eat, man. Nope. And they both got kicked out. So during that time period, there was this interesting law amongst the aristocracy and the upper echelon, the upper crust, the wealthy, that they could only have one son. And because of this, a lot of them, about half of the upper society wealthy men were unmarried because they could only have one legal son. And the 76-year-old center, Malperio, Malperino, he he was looking at Teresa Imar as his last hope to have a son. So he was beginning to romance her and woo her, and then he took in Casanova. So, gotcha. Yes. That he was is- like, no, if somebody's going to plant a baby in there, it's going to be my weasened old wiener. Mm-hmm. Which is why he was so very angry, and Casanova had to know about this. I mean, we know about it. Of course he had to. So... Right around that time, Casanova Casanova lost his grandmother, Matiza, shortly after the incident with Malperio that happened. And continuing his career in the church and law, he entered the seminary as a junior priest. Okay, that seems that seems like a great career move if you like tail like he likes tail. Sure. Yeah, this is also right off the cusp of losing his virginity to two sisters. I mean, the idea of Casanova leaving a chaste life with the way he is developing is laughable. So it's not surprising that it wasn't long before he was in trouble for being caught in the bed of one of the other boys. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean... It would would it be low hanging fruit to suggest that that seems pretty stock standard for uh, the priesthood being caught in the bed of a boy? Yeah, probably. Am I going to say it anyway? Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, what's interesting is during this time frame, it was before. Um, oh God, I, I forget the name of the rule that caused all of all of the chaos that's there today. Well, a lot of the sexual chaos that's there today, but they really did come down hard on a priest who was caught in bed with a young boy. I mean, Venice was a liberal city, but it was, it wasn't exactly accepted. Homosexuality wasn't accepted openly. I mean, what you did in closed behind closed doors, that was one thing, but society and the, and religion did not accept it. And because of that, he was actually expelled from the seminary. They didn't put him in jail, but they did expel him and put on his record and made it known that he had committed a blasphemous crime. However, he was still a gambler and a lover of those fancy things that high society had developed in him. And with no benefactor, he was soon in debt. And in debt in a time period where going to jail was a possibility. And ah, debtor's prison. I'm sure we'll be having that happen soon enough. Right yes. here in the good old USA. Well, actually, there is a little town in Kansas called Coffeeville where, uh, look it up. It's very interesting. There's a story about people going to prison uh, because they're being prosecuted by a hospital for um, debt. And when they don't show up, 
a bench warrant is issued uh, to the court, a bench warrants being issued for them. So they're being taken and put into jail, oftentimes sick because they didn't show up to court over their debt. But oh, God the bless America. Yeah, yeah. Our health system, super. We're, we're all going to die, aren't hot. we? We're, we're totally all going to die now. Oh, I mean, America can't handle its shit, right? Nobody gets out of this live. Oh, God. I was hoping to have a few more good years, but shit, I don't know anymore. You will. You will. Okay. You're fine. I'm You're staying fine. home. I'm wearing a mask. I'm staying home. I got a harpoon. Six feet away, motherfuckers. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I just, I see you sitting there with your harpoon in your caftan with a sign that says six feet away, motherfucker." much y'all know that uh in high school i used to throw javelin on tracks so i can get you from a distance you are Don't prepared four feet you're done yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway so he ended up landing himself in jail and this is the first stint that he would serve in jail and there are kind of mixed thoughts on what really caused him to be there officially it, they say it's due to debts but unofficially the wealthy theater owners who kind of um supported him off and on through his life the theory is they may have kind of become done with his shit and wanted ah. to scare him straight and gotcha. yes yeah, so he went to jail but now normally jail would tank any type of legal clerical or any a number of pursuits in that day and age but not one to be held back by scandal casanova's mother managed to gain employment as a scribe for him to the bishop of de barnes of rome now she was now again again this is all conjecture we're looking at this through the lens of history but the the thought is she was looking to increase her social standing by making her son an affluent fl figure within the church so having him work for a bishop she thought that was just dandy so Casanova managed to get out of jail and was on the road to Rome. And on that road, he met up with a Franciscan monk by the name of Brother Stefano, who was known for being loud, coarse, and a total lout. Nice. Yes. Yes. He's going to be the best road picture ever. Absolutely. The road to Rome. He is getting a real interesting understanding of what clergy and the catholic church looks like um, from all of the people he's been exposed to because let's face it venice during that time period the clergy was not in it for the godliness uh, just history look at history i'm sure if you're listening to us you probably already know more about it than i do what you're saying is god was an excellent grift at that time uh, and we'll say it Today, too. Yeah. God does make for a good grift. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, yes. Just like Fleece any... in the flock. That is a popular pastime. Just like any other area where people are looking for guidance, hope, and they need help. It's It leaves so easy. people to expose to, to people like Casanova, unfortunately. 
So Casanova at that time, he was very young still. He didn't know uh, how to move through the streets and travel. And fortunately for him, this Franciscan monk, Brother Stefano, did. And so he decided to travel with him to Rome, in which Stefano taught him the ways of finding food and lodging and often for free on their way there. However, they were commonly known to fight with each other and it was just not a pleasant trip from what it sounds like. But once they arrived in Rome, the two went their separate ways, Casanova to find his bishop and Stefano to continue being a lout, I'm assuming. Unfortunately for Casanova, though, he discovered that his bishop had grown tired of waiting for him and had already left. So back on the road he went finally catching up with him in Mazzarano, which is where they were set up. That's where he was going to work. But once Casanova became accustomed to Mazzarano, he was horrified to find that the clergy outside of the larger cities were not set up in fineries and palaces to suckle on power and debauchery. But instead, the bishop was God-fearing man who dedicated himself to providing spiritual counsel to those who lived in the poor town of Mazzurano. And Boring! Yes, Casanova was having none of that, and he begged the bishop to release him of his services, which he did. So this kid shows up, looks around, and goes, wow, I'm not here to actually do good. I'm here for power and debauchery. I'm gonna leave! And so he starts heading back to Rome. It was at this point that Casanova fell in love. Aw, even scuzzbags can fall in love. That's right. And it was with one woman, not two sisters. I'm so proud. Anne-Marie D'Antonia Lotti met Casanova while they were both visiting acquaintances while he was on his way back to Rome. And at their acquaintance's villa an affair was kindled that would last for years, for decades. In fact, he had a daughter with Anna Maria D'Antonia Lotti. But upon returning to Rome, Casanova became employed as a scribe to Cardinal Aquaviva, and together the two of them would found the famous Aquaviva hair care line, the hair care that leaves you feeling clean, so clean you just want to sin not really i but i wish they had because it's a perfect name right <laughs> could aquafina if we're going to make a, a road movie about casanova could aquaviva be played by aquafina yes excellent <laughs> i'm in Instead, what actually happened ended up tangled into scandal yet again where he was caught in bed with a young boy how young I don't know and cannot find a record of it. I have looked and I'm afraid of what kind of watch list I am, might be on now because of the thing, like the phrasing with Casanova I was searching. Had to be super careful on that one. The internet is a bad place. However, that effectively ended any further career that he might have had in the religious orbit and it also led to his second stint in jail. That's right. He was actually arrested for it. For once, I'm like, good. Yes, you should definitely go to jail if you're like, hey, kids, in that way. Good. Yes. Wow. <laughs> History finally does the thing where I'm like, 
good job. Thanks, history. So what does one do fresh out of losing a granny, fresh out of jail, fresh out of the loss of a church career, and with a lusty burden too large to bear do? Well, they decide to impersonate a soldier, of course. Okay, that seems reasonable. No, it doesn't. None of this seems reasonable. I mean, I do love a person in a uniform, don't you? Uh, yeah. Like, What's gritty. Your... I love a, I love gritty. He's in a uniform. Does that count? <laughs> Is that your favorite uniform? The gritty uniform? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? The... Is it the Hamburglar? No, I just, I just mean the McDonald's drive through worker. Oh, yeah, that's good, too. I was going to go with maybe Mayor McCheese. <laughs> I, I see that drive through worker, and I'm like... You Sexy. got fries. Oh, you smell <laughs> of a you smell of a greasy fry oven. Yes. <laughs> you smell of teenage hormones and bad decisions. Oh God. Great. Uh, now I want McNuggets. Thanks for that. You're welcome. I'm glad I could do my part. <laughs> Still. Not content to just play soldier, Casanova actually joined up with a regiment in Corfu where he gambled away all his earnings and (laughs) finding the work very dull, he then decided to find his way to Constantinople. Not Istanbul? (laughs) Oh, it was Constantinople. I see. Uh, How did Constantinople get the works? Well, you know, that's nobody's business. But, but the, the Turk, who actually, there is a Turk in this story. So we're just going to keep on going. <laughs> because, of course, there is. He claimed that he journeyed to Constantinople to deliver a letter entrusted to him from his old employer, the Cardinal. <laughs> which the mail service back then must have just been shit. Your I mean, family people are member. mad about, like, two-day delivery is not a thing for Amazon anymore. They would not have been cut out for the 1700s. Not at no, all. No, no, not at all. Your family member could be dead, or maybe the mail carrier was just Casanova. Who knows? You don't know. You don't know. It was during these years that Casanova's sexual exploits went into overdrive. And it's clear that our use of calling someone a real Casanova, meaning a seducing charmer, is a bit of a misnomer because Casanova was a pedophile, an adulterer, someone who believed in incest, a serial rapist, a bigamist, a liar, cheat, and gambler. He sounds lovely. A real real winner. Definitely one you want to take home to the folks. When will he be added to the Trump cabinet? (laughs) What's weird about Casanova is when he would dedicate himself to somebody, he would go in like balls deep, 100% he was there. But he would also discard somebody. He would... One of my favorite lines that I heard about Casanova was he would discard of a woman as quickly as he would a tissue. Ooh. Right? (laughs) Yeah. It was just like, oh. That's an unsavory mental image right there. It's, yes, it is. It really is. He wrote about his sexual exploits at length, and this included retellings of what was clearly a gang rape with seven other men. 
claiming that she liked it in his writings. So it's it's just it's terrible. No one knows how many times he was married or even if he bothered to legally separate from any of them. He also wrote about having uh, relations with a child as young as nine. And now, do we know if these are again because he's a lying sack of shit? Do we know how much of this is is based in fact and how much of this is his sort of fantasy about what he would have liked to have had had happened in his life? Uh, like I said, take everything with a giant bucket of salt because we don't know. However, there are some things that even he was given a hard time for. We do know in one case he was taken to court by a woman uh, for raping her daughter. And he said in court he beat and raped the girl. And he said that she had sold him her daughter's virginity. And I forget for how much the amount was, but said that he had, he had bought her daughter's virginity and she wasn't complying. And so he beat her um, with a stick across the backside until she relented. Oh, that's delightful. That whole story is just lovely. Yeah. Yeah. So he's... We do know, like, some things like that, that is actual, there's court records of it. He was taking court over that. A a creep for sure. Yeah. And he did write about it, too. So it's not like he withheld that. The worst thing, though, in my opinion, at least, he was known to have said... I have never been able to understand how a father could tenderly love his charming daughter without having slept with her at least once. Ew. Gross. Yeah, Gross. I mean, no. I mean, Barry in his heyday looked like a beetle and then later Kenny Rogers, but still, no. Oh, it's disgusting. Oh, God, this sounds like a like a Trump and Ivanka thing. Ugh, ah, bleh, no. Well, you know how people in our lives will ask us what stories we're working on? Sure. Well, for me, everyone's been like, oh, the lover Casanova, huh? And all I can say in response is actually this guy was a big bag of dicks. And then I tell them that line because it's mm. like our last disturbing fact that I posted on our uh, by the way sign up on our social media if you want weird disturbing facts every wednesday what the fuck fun fact wednesday but i can't unlearn that that's something i cannot unlearn i feel scarred (laughs) no this is not family values this is not cool no this is this is some like dugger shit no yeah so when his daughter lunilda turned 20 he brought also her... naming your kid Lumilda already child abuse. <laughs> right. But when his daughter Lunilda turned 20, he brought her into his bed with his longtime love oh, no. and her mother, Anna Maria. Let oh, me say no. again. Like that whole family. No. Yeah. yeah it was his mom. It was her mom build... and him. I want to build a time ship like a TARDIS so we can go back in time just punch him in the dick repeatedly and like save Lumilda. Just bring her to modern times and give her like like a Nate like Heather. You know? <laughs> Heather. You're Heather now and nobody's gonna touch you creepily. 
Yeah. Well, what gets me too is I thought 20. How did I? Okay. Not that I'm saying it's acceptable in any way, shape, or form, but I could see him getting her into his bed and doing terrible things with her when she was younger and more vulnerable because that tends to be what happens when there's a case of family incest. It's when the person, the victim is younger and more vulnerable. But Lunilda at the time was 20. And during that time period, that's, that's pretty old. Um, She was actually, well, not pretty old, but that's, that's old enough to be married, which she was. She was married and his his excuse for all of it, the way he explained it, was that her husband was impudent, impotent, not impudent, impotent and mean. So, of course, why so not as opposed sleep to with like her? Potent and mean. Cool, cool. Just like you, Dad. Yeah, right? no. No. So... Basically, what I'm telling you all is Casanova was a straight out predator. He moved in higher circles. And when he was in Constantinople, he was so charming and charmed the locals so much that a Turk even offered him the hand of his 15 year old daughter in marriage. But not being one to, you know, want to be tied down, he decided he would pass on that 15 year old and dodged a bullet there child seriously i mean that 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 girl's so lucky so he passed on that 15 year old and then just went on for plenty of other conquests around turkey before he went back to venice where he worked as a fiddler and a rent boy now do you know what a rent boy is I mean, like in the modern sense of rent boy, as in like trade for hire? Definitely skills for hire. Okay. So a rent boy was a a sex worker. A rent boy was a a, a courtesan. uh, Fred Garvin, male prostitute. Sure, sure. Yes. Yes. Well, I wouldn't say prostitute. I would say sex worker. Sure. Yes. I'm just thinking of the the horrible. Does anyone else, any other old people remember Fred Garvin, male prostitute from SNL? No, no, Lynn, just you. Yeah, it's, I don't again, remember it's, that one. It's from a cringy time in television. Cringy time uh, in television. Yeah, we've had a lot of those. Yeah. It's still cringy. Ugh. Anyway, Casanova was 30 when the authorities came down on him. Finally, that's kind of old for a rent boy, but sure, all right. Well, he's they a rent didn't- man. Yes, they didn't is. come down on him for that. That's what oh. amazes me. What they they cracked the whip on him for was being a blasphemous Freemason. Okay, now that's kind of a that's kind of an interesting reason to go to jail. Okay, yeah, he had Blas- banned books. Should I worry blasphemy. about Barry? Because he's kind of a blasphemous Freemason. I, I don't. We always worry about Barry. We we'll always worry about Barry. We do. We love Barry. We we care. We worry. Shit, I need to call Barry, make sure everything's going okay there in COVID country. Yes. Yes. And let me know what antics he's up to. And if he misses the Mounties as much as I'm sure they miss him. I, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he's bored as, as shit because all the stuff he likes to do except taking the pontoon boat out is pretty much verboten at this point. Although I think they did open up golf courses in Pennsylvania, so he might be okay. 
you're going to call him and he's going to have like built a, a miniature replica of like the Eiffel oh, a Tower putting green? or some he, shit. <laughs> he, is pro- he does own his own golf cart just because of course of he does. Of course he does. So he may have started his own putting green over by the barn. It's very possible. I I can believe it. I can believe it. Anyway, so Casanova ended up going to jail for having banned books and blasphemy. And he was sentenced to five years in a very rough prison called the Leads. And it was called that due to, I guess, the lead that was on the roof. And the prison itself was so infested with disease and just just a, t- a hellhole that five years kind of meant a life sense- a sentence. So if you went to jail in the leads for five years, you weren't coming back out. And he went to jail for blasphemy <laughs> and banned books. So it kind of sounds like the Venice authorities were just kind of like, we're done with you and put him away. However, Casanova, still a charmer, managed to get extra rights, allowing him and other prisoners to talk. And uh, other prisoners didn't have this. In fact, he and uh, this other prisoner by the name of Bailby managed to get these extra rights so they could have conversations. And with Bailby's help and the luck of a careless guard leaving a wall spike out, Casanova was able to to tunnel out which by the way what the fuck is a wall spike (laughs) like total rita hayworth and the shawshank redemption yeah yeah, nice yeah so he was able to tunnel out and (laughs) however this part might be my favorite part of the entire story because he tunnels out with bailby and quickly almost immediately the guards fell upon them the guards found them well, I mean, he's, look, he's a lawyer and a lecher. He's not an engineer, man. Come on, cut him a break. Well, for most people, that would be the end of that story, right? They'd go back to jail, have another couple of years added on, and be screwed. But not for Casanova. No, no, no. No, this charming motherfucker convinces the guards that he and Bilby were there uh, just regular citizens visiting who got lost and became trapped within the gates and within moments they were being escorted out of the prison and to their freedom by the guards. Those are some dumb guards. Those are like stormtrooper levels of derp. I don't know. I've heard of some silver tongue devils but this man had to be dipped in silver and they had to be dumb as a sack of rocks to manage that that's that's insane (laughs) i mean did they think that their cells were just so impenetrable that of course they were visitors why would they be we just wear striped outfits because like they're real slimming that's that we just yeah that's why we're wearing these striped things yeah that's absolutely why yeah on on wednesdays we wear stripes right and and we're covered in dirt from the tunnel because you know it's really good for the skin everybody's doing it you know it's a look yeah for sure yeah yeah (laughs) so after that he chose to leave italy which i think had more to do with um 
escaping jail than wanting to travel but who knows it's Casanova he went all over the place and in this tour he went to Paris he went over to France it was at this point that he started using a story that he was 300 years old and an alchemist with eternal youth sound familiar oh yeah that sounds super likely yeah 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 call back to our ep- episode on saint germain sure yeah i can see is- well and we even quoted casanova in the saint germain episode so they and saint germain and casanova was like that guy's a fucking crazy pants liar so yeah no it's it uh, takes one to know one dude mm-hmm. exactly and i mean he was a complete shyster at this point he was pretending to be an alchemist he was using different names he was on the run from the law and he would use sleight of hand to make a handful of dirt turn into a handful of diamonds and the parisians ate this shit up soon casanova found himself tied up with royalty and if records are to be believed he became a spy and a bondsman for France. Oh, so again, very much like St. Germain. Yes, yes. And after losing, making and losing several fortunes during this time in France and earning many, many enemies from cuckolding people by taking their wives or their girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever, lovers, Casanova took on different names, like I said, and he started touring around France. So he didn't just stay local to Paris. And then he decided, in total efforts to flee his pursuers, to go to England. In England, he carried on with the same antics. But, of note, he ended up meeting with the Mad King, King George himself. They seem like a perfect pair. That is a match made in hell right there. But it isn't positive what transpired between them, only that uh, their relationship didn't last very long. Casanova decided to pick up stakes yet again and go to Russia, where he had decided to try to sell the idea of a lottery to Catherine the Great, which is what he had done in France. <laughs> I oh, know, sure. right? That seems like a reasonable job. Well, he did it in France. It was successful. Maybe that's what he was trying to do in England. We don't really know. And then he decides, I'm going to go to Russia and try this. I'm going to sell Powerball to the Ruskies. All right. right. Sounds cool. Cool, cool. Sure. You do you. It was around this time period. Casanova had another run-in with a lover. And he realized, you know, he was getting up there in his old age he was at this point he was in his 50s and he was still trying to seduce teenagers and it wasn't going very well they saw him more of a of a rather sad old grandfather figure because 50 during that time was a grandfather figure and he was nothing says panty dropper like a creepy old granddad yeah which is what joe biden which is what he had become and that isn't how he wanted to see himself. He wrote the story of his own life. So he decided it was time to to retire in the countryside. And so he ended up becoming the librarian to Count Joseph Karl von Waldstein, 
a chamberlain of the emperor in the castle of Dew, Bohemia, who was a wealthy friend of his, where he wrote his memoirs, The Story of My Life, which have become very, very famous and many people have read and will tell you about many more of his exploits. Again, take it all with a giant bucket of salt. It was at the Castle of Dew that Casanova died on June 4th, 1798, at the age of 73. Which is ancient. like 150 in yeah. those times. Sure. Yeah. Super so being a creep that. preserves you, I guess. Well, he did all, he made and lost many fortunes and always ran in high society. Somebody was paying for him. Um, clearly could take care of himself and eat better than the lower society during that time, which, you know, average lifespan was like 30 because they had dried Courage. bread and rats. To yep. eat. Mm, right. I will say Bill and Ted are pretty plump and juicy. So <laughs> I will say I rewatched Demolition Man last night and the scene with the rat burger made me think of you. Mm, rat burger <laughs> seriously if you were to eat rats you would want to kind of come and eat mine i have like the wagyu beef of rat the wagyu rat is what i have so you know i do <laughs> massage them regularly yeah <laughs> they eat great they had kale for for their salad course last night i like it you when know. they eat strawberries and look like little murderers oh god they're just covered in juice yeah yes. anytime you feed them anything red you have to make sure to alert your other spouse like if will feeds them raspberries or i give them spaghetti i have to be like hey i put a red thing in there otherwise you just hear this like ah! from like you know the rat cage as it looks like murder has taken place in there because eating if you're a rat is a full body contact sport yeah it is so Casanova had many conquests and adventures. He met many famous personages that made an imprint on history, including Mozart, members of royalty, and even held a deep and lasting friendship with the Madame du Pompadour herself. Oh, she's fascinating. Oh, yeah, she is. She's one of my favorite people in history to study. His exploits were the stuff of legend, inspiring books, movies, including one starred by one of my favorite actors, David Tennant. But how much of his story is true, we can't say. And I've barely touched on his many tales. One thing is certain, though. Casanova was as smooth as butter and an absolute fucking bag of dicks smooth operator yep he was yep. Yep. to say nothing of casanova frankenstein who is one of, a favorite character from one of my favorite movies mystery men so that's something to throw in your quarantine viewing queue mystery men from i think like 1999 like late 90s late 90s a, yeah late 90s it's a comical uh superhero film that has ben stiller and uh, tom janine garofalo is the bowler it <laughs> has paul rubens as the spleen i mean like everything about it hank azaria as the blue raja it's delightful it is a genuinely like bizarre hilarious charming 
weirdo film and you're only cheating yourself if you've never watched it so you are not wrong i mystery men yeah because you know how do we get through this we got through this with the sword of teamwork and the hammer of not bickering (laughs) yep so that is my story on um on casanova casanova creepy creepy dude yeah yeah total bag of dicks total bag of dicks so you want to hear something both spooky disturbing disgusting intriguing and puerile at the same time i am so here for this okay this is what i'm oh, here for this, this is our is little story. End cap of delightful oh this is a story that was made for this podcast i mean just tailor-made for the kind of bullshit we enjoy and that i hope our listeners enjoy And it was thanks to alert listener Jason from beautiful scenic Spokane, Washington, that I have been made aware that the ghost of a masturbating monkey is reportedly haunting the halls of an English manor house at this very time in history. Seriously, guys, thank you, Jason. Thank you so much for this. If you want to tag us on weird shit, disturbing shit, please do. Oh, we will read it. This is gold right here. It's gold. So in a year of completely unexpected occurrences, let me just state for the record that I never in my wildest, (laughs) most immature dreams expected to write that series of words, masturbating monkey haunting the halls of an English manor house, to describe an actual event that is alleged to have occurred in real life. But oh, that's amazing. I mean, I, I am unlike with other unimaginable shit that's been going down lately, absolutely delighted that, that I live in a timeline to be able to report on this to you. Seriously. The fact that if you search my computer right now, you will find a file entitled masturbating monkey ghost That is something that causes me unalloyed joy in this darkest of timelines. Shall we get to it? (laughs) Yes, please. Okay, so first, let let me just cite my sources here such that you, a gentle listener, can take this with, once again, an appropriate fistful of salt uh, that such a tale requires as well. So The Sun is one of the UK's biggest tawdry, tasteless tabloids, as is The Express. These are the only two actual newspapers that covered this story, so this gives you a general sense for the veracity of what I'm about to tell you. So for our American listeners, I just like think National Enquirer with a side of of Us Weekly kind of thing. Like, nobody is going to be taking home a Pulitzer from either of these papers. The gray (laughs) lady, they ain't. But, you know, we're not also Phoebe Judge or Ira Glass, so come to mama, sweet spectral spanky monkey. So, the scene of this tale of humpy horror is Athelhampton Hall in Dorset, England. So the initial portions of the manor house were constructed in the late 1400s by a Sir William Martin with continued additions put on through the 17th century. And by the time of this reporting, the estate is now used as a historic house for tours and events like weddings and, you know, business meetings and things like that. And the Martins themselves have long since passed on and the house is no longer in the family's hands. 
Part of the appeal of touring this house is that it has quite a reputation for having many, many ghosts inhabiting its halls and being one of the most haunted houses of England. And these yeah, ghosts- it's supposed to be one of the most haunted houses yeah. in all of Europe, isn't it? It's just, it's definitely like in the British Isles, it's spooky town. That's kind of, it's uh, one of its big claims to fame. Yep. And, you know, as to the, the specters that are reported to haunt the house, frankly, I mean, eh, they're just, they basically sound like the kind that kind of come, come complete as part of the kit for your standard historic house. So there's like the gray lady, the hooded priest, the poltergeist, two duelists that sword fight in the great hall a cooper or barrel maker who bangs a spectral hammer down in the white wine cellar. I don't soldier. know. That one's, that one's kind of new on me. I don't yeah, think that, I've that heard one was of a little cooper cool. ghost. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, that would probably be me. I'd just be down there like beating in the barrel going, more wine! But that's just me. <laughs> Instead of banging on a, on a barrel, you just hear of me opening a, a can for all eternity. That's, what, that's who I'm going to haunt. You know, but it's got like fairly boring stuff, like the soldier. Oh, uh, it's got it's got a spectral bride because you gotta have one of those. Of course, and because this is England, and even the ghosts are well bred and polite, there is even a disembodied voice wishing people hello. So just a ghostly hello, kind of like <laughs> floats through the hallway sometimes. But like none of these, these are kind of bog standard ghosts, right? So to really so set yourself up your right there, you would just randomly hear me go, motherfucker. You'd be opening wine and I would be cursing at Fuck the- you. Yeah. yeah. But like in general, these are kind of, you know, you need a little more razzle dazzle these days to truly set yourself apart as a haunted manor house. But and boy, so, have they. Oh my God. Yes. So their new shtick, enter stage right, masturbating ghost ape. So from what I could tell, the legend behind this simian spook is that Sir William Martin had taken in an ape as a pet from one of his many sea trading voyages, as he was a trader in goods and things from beyond the seven seas kind of thing, right? As you do. As you do. And this beast even became part of the family crest and the family motto. Which is my favorite part of the story. This is delightful. So the family crest is a monkey sitting on a tree stump looking into a mirror. And the motto, which is deeply wonderful, is... He who looks at Martin's ape, Martin's ape will look at him. So I am not sure if that is deeply profound or profoundly stupid, but it sounds good, right? I love it. Yeah. I love it. I think that is a family motto to live by. (laughs) Is the ape the abyss? So when you look into the abyss, the abyss looks back at you? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. The monkey has been kind of a part of the whole Martin family thing for 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 centuries and the story behind the ghost is that one of william's four daughters wanted to marry outside of their catholic religion which was forbidden at that time and she became so distraught that she wandered the house forlornly considering ending her own life as a result of this unhappy love affair and this compassionate loving monkey just followed her wherever she went trying to console her 
So this sad maiden then went into hiding in a secret paneled chamber in the house, sort of like a Tudor safe room. As and, you do. You know, either, and, and the story is kind of muddled. So either she went in hiding in there because she was going to be persecuted for trying to sully this nice Protestant kid, or she just was like, fuck all y'all, I'm going to go hide out in my room for a while and, you know, just like play ye oldie Animal Crossing or whatever you did when you were a sad, lovelorn Tudor maiden, right? I guarantee you if they had had Animal Crossing, uh, she would have, she probably never even would have met that sweet little Protestant boy. She would have been too busy paying off ye oldie nook. Probably. But sadly for her, there was no such thing. And she ended up inside, uh, basically reenacting Tudor Parasite, right? And then... When she emerged from hiding, or, again, because there's a number of stories around this, possibly died in there of ennui, then the monkey was either accidentally walled up in there like Fortunato, or also ended up just expiring because he was so sad about his mistress dying. So, supposedly, allegedly, his ghostly fingernails can be heard scraping in that area of the house, and, you know, trying to eternally get out of this little paneled oubliette. And additionally, according to the Athelhampton Estates website, he is often found in the great chamber of the building, sitting, looking deeply into visitors' eyes, reenacting the family motto. There is, interestingly enough, on the official website, no mention of the masturbation. Apparently that turns off prospective brides from booking the hall in the summer. I yeah. mean, who wants to get married where there might be a masturbating ghost monkey that appears? Right? You're the bride. You do not want to get shown up by a spanky monkey, right? You do not want bishop bashing, ghostly even, to be happening while you're exchanging vows. And <laughs> yeah. just, and do you, Thomas, take Jane? Yeah. Oh, Lord. So, again, the masturbation portion of this story only seems to come up. See what I did there? I am so uh -huh. sorry. In the most recent stories of the monkey's afterlife antics, I don't know, maybe he's a voyeur monkey and he gets off on watching all the guests, watching him spew ectoplasm into the great chamber. I don't know. I really, I don't know. I mean, you know, Colin Venkman and Spengler in this one. But I do know one thing, and that is that I am adding Athelhampton to my personal post-COVID vaccine travel destination list. Damn and that be. is the short and distressing and baffling story of the ghostly spanky monkey of Athelhampton Hall. I love it. I love it. And it is being added. And one day, folks, one day, disturbing travels. I It'll mean, happen. come on, just fund us and we will travel the world looking at the most, the, the fuckiest places in the world. And we'll be sharing those with you. Give us money. <laughs> oh, the fuckiest places. Oh, my yes. God. If I have to wear like a, a, you know, a bunny suit, like a hazmat suit to do this, I will do this. <laughs> I thought you meant Frankly, like, I just want one of those going to the damn grocery store but yes oh that's great well thank you so much for that and it, thank it you delightful. for the yeah thank you for the the deep dive into the creepy world of casanova absolutely that was yucky yeah it was <laughs> i feel gross 
And on that note, listeners. Let's go take a shower because ew. Yep. And remember, you might be disturbed. But you're not covered in masturbating ghost monkey ectoplasm, or at least I hope not. And you're not alone. Thank you for listening, friends. Remember, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook at The Disturbing Interest Podcast, Twitter at podcast underscore DI, Instagram at DI Podcast. You can find us online at disturbinginterest.com, or you can email us at disturbinginterest at gmail.com. Our P.O. Box is 70515, Seattle, Washington, 98127. Remember to rate, like, and tell your friends, and we'll talk at you soon.